Hello and welcome to another Social Dad podcast. We're going to be doing another call-in show today, so let's see who we've got on the line. Hello, James speaking. Oh, hi, James. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Who am I talking to? My name is Dr. Zina Alkafaji. I'm a pediatric dentist in North Vancouver. That's amazing. Um, how are things with you? Really good. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in North Van today. So the sun is shining, skies are blue. Nothing better than that in Vancouver. It's gorgeous. Um, so, okay, let's get right into it. So what's it like being a kid's um, or pediatric uh, dentist? It's amazing. To be honest, I really, really do uh, enjoy what I do. And I never know what I'm going to get. I walk into the office and um, I'm always surprised. These kids keep me on my toes and it's why I love what I do. That's incredible. Um, so my daughter, she was always nervous about the dentist, um, especially at having to go through um, a tooth removal and having a spacer put in. So it kind of it, it scarred her a bit. Um, so for all the other parents whose kids um, are nervous about the dentist or scared or, or don't like them, um, what kind of what measures do you put in place to, to put them at ease? So James, um, what what Emma went through is very very common, and um, to be honest, with kids, I assume that children will be anxious coming to the dentist. It's a lot that we're asking them to do. They're little. They're they're you know um, they're just kind of skeptical. Like, what are these people up to? So um, what I've done when I built my office is I've kept that in mind, and so I really did take a lot of time in planning out the design of my physical space. Um, it's a very welcoming, calming space. And that's, that's what families do report back to us is that as soon as they walk into to our office, um, the kids kind of feel a little bit better. They feel safer because they, kids are very intuitive and, and they know when they're safe and they know when, um, when they're not. So there's a lot that goes into that in terms of, of the physical space that I've created in, in my office. So that's number one. Um, number two, the staff. So the people that I've, you know, hand selected to work in my office, they have to have certain qualities, um, caring, kind, patient, um, welcoming, obviously good with kids <laughs> is the number one requirement. And so, um, you know, all of that goes, goes into, into what we do on a daily basis, but, yeah, anxiety um, from children when it comes to the dentist is super common. Yeah, I think that's um, I think is is from the moment they walk in the door, they they need to be sort of welcomed and and feel, you know, like that there's nothing to be scared of. Um, so before the dentist appointment, you know, as parents, um, getting them to brush their teeth is like they they always seem surprised that it's time to brush their teeth like going to bed <laughs> like oh what this is a brand new thing you sprung on me why have I got to do this I'm gonna kick up so yeah. what kind of um do you have any advice for for parents who can sort of instill a routine or something yeah that's a great great question James 
I like to instill the toothbrushing routine at an age that is so early that they don't feel like it's been sprung on them, that it's, it's, they've been having their teeth brushed for as long as they can remember. So typically children get teeth around age six months, but obviously there's a bit of a range. So somewhere between four and 10 months, I would say. Um, so I've got three kids of my own and that is the time that I started brushing their teeth with a proper toothbrush and a little bit of fluoride toothpaste was as soon as they got their first tooth. That way, by the time they're hitting their terrible twos, like this is just a part of their lives. It's a part of their routine. So, um, so ideally it would be introduced quite early, but if, you know, don't, don't, don't worry if you haven't introduced it that early, like there are still ways of introducing toothbrushing to make it fun for your kids. Like, you know, there are tons of great songs out there um, that you can sing. You know, I've, I've had parents coming in with like really great creative ideas. Like, oh, we're going to see if we can find the, the bunny rabbit in there or, or even make it a game about catching sugar bugs. So, you know, there's yeah, a lot the of sugar bugs, ways. Yeah. yeah, you can be really creative. But I would say the number, my number one piece of advice for people out there whose children are still quite young is introduce it early. I can't stress that enough. Okay. Um, what about kinds of toothpaste? Because there's so many. Um, there's fluoride, there's not, there's sort of natural ones with baking sodas and then there's bubblegum flavors. Um, do you have any recommendations? Yeah. Uh, another really great question that I get asked by families all the time. Um, so fluoride toothpaste is kind of a controversial thing out there. Um, in BC, we don't have fluoride in the water. So I do recommend that children get fluoride toothpaste just a tiny bit. So the size of a grain of rice um, as soon as they get their first tooth. So again, for my three kids, I've been using fluoride toothpaste since they were pretty young. Um, but I feel safe doing that because I know that they're getting such a small amount and it's done by an adult and it's controlled and, and that kind of thing. So my number one recommendation would be make sure it has some fluoride in it. Um, number two, when it comes to like flavors, you know, there's like, um, there's like the Crest and Colgate and Oral-B ones that usually have like a kid type flavoring to it. So bubblegum or strawberry, which is fine. And those do have fluoride in them. Um, but to be honest, if you wanted to go ahead and give your kids like the regular, you know, mint that you're using yourself, that's fine too, because the concentration of fluoride in kids versus adult toothpaste is actually the same. So um, you can, you're, you're basically okay giving any, any type of toothpaste. Baking soda or whitening toothpaste, I would kind of stay away from just because there's a lot of additional chemicals in there that you probably don't want your children swallowing because at a young age, they will be swallowing a little bit of toothpaste. Mm -hmm. And then if you wanted to go for like a more natural um, option, something without SLS, then I, I really like Birth Bees. They have a, a nice SLS free, more natural version that also does have fluoride. One fluoride, uh, one toothpaste that I see a lot of families coming in saying they're using it is Tom's, which is very popular, but um, Tom's with fluoride is a bit harder to find. So I, I, I'm finding that people are using the fluoride free Tom's toothpaste. Um, so I would just make sure that you're, you know, you're having a read of the label and that it, it does have fluoride in it. Okay. And, um, and what about babies? or like young kids without their first tooth, should they be having their like gums scrubbed yeah. or anything? Yeah, yeah, you could do um, just like a little wet washcloth. 
kind of to get the, your baby um, used to having your fingers or something kind of foreign in their mouth. Um, that's really the idea there. And, and to keep the gums nice and clean, clear off any milk residue. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a great thing to do. Just wipe with a wet washcloth. Okay. Um, interesting. And then wh- where do you stand on mouthwash? Um, mouthwash is not necessary, but if you'd like to introduce mouthwash to your kids, you can do that. Just make sure that they're able to safely spit the mouthwash out. So we don't want them swallowing a ton of mouthwash. Um, I would recommend it more for older kids, you know, over the age of eight or nine would be good, but you know, for your, for your younger ones, probably not necessary. I would say twice a day, toothbrushing with fluoride toothpaste and, um, flossing flossing I usually let families know when they bring their child in to see me at the dentist when it's time to start flossing because if your kid has like huge spaces in between their teeth you don't actually need to be flossing them um so that's something I would I would um wait for your oral health care provider to give you some guidance on right Uh, okay that's interesting I thought I thought everyone had to floss all the time i mean listen james if you want to be like Uh a keener i'm not gonna stop you from flossing your kids teeth like that's great just get them used to it i'm i think that's awesome but i also am very practical and i know that parents do struggle to get this stuff done so um i would kind of stress brushing over flossing like make sure that you're able to brush really well before you move on the flossing that's kind of like the next step Mm -hmm. interesting um are there any sort of I don't want to say wives' tale. I'm sure that's a an antiquated term, but like a, a sort of urban myths of of um, dentistry that you you hear people coming in with. Um, myths. Let's see. I don't know about myths, but like I get a lot of parents in my office who have their own dental traumas and anxieties from when they were children. Uh-huh. So that's really interesting because um, pediatric dentistry has come a really long way. So, you know, some of the older parents that I have in, like, there was no sedation, there was no, you know, child-friendly offices with staff who are, like, trained in early childhood learning and that kind of thing. So um, I think a lot of these older parents who were, you know, being raised in the, um, I don't know, like, even the 80s or the 70s, like, dentistry was pretty... It wasn't as sophisticated as it is now. So a lot of them do have their own um, dental anxieties. And I, I, I noticed that the, their children can kind of take on the parents' anxieties because of all of the nonverbal cues they're getting from their parents. Kids yeah. are, again, as I mentioned before, like super intuitive. So if a parent is having some anxiety about bringing their child to the dentist, like the kids will pick up on that. Uh, what do you think... Um, so you've made the, the, your office, um, really kid friendly and you shared some really, uh, useful advice, but what about for, um, the buildup? So getting kids used to the idea of coming perhaps for their first dentist or, or for their first appointment rather. Yeah, that's, um, that's a great thing to do. I love it when parents front load their kids in a positive way before they come into the dentist. And I can tell when a parent has done positive front loading with their children about coming in to see me because they usually are very positive. They're very open, even though we're strangers and, 
you know, kids haven't really been exposed to strangers in such a close way, like in a, such a close physical way during COVID. Um, they're still really um, open to us and that kind of thing. So what I would say is like, there's a lot of great books out there about going to the dentist, like Peppa goes to the dentist, Daniel Tiger goes to the dentist. Mm-hmm. So you could watch a couple episodes or, or pick up some books um, about going to the dentist just to get them prepared and, and show pictures of some of the instruments or tools that, that we use. Um, you know, you let them know like mommy and daddy go to the dentist or big brother, big sister go to the dentist. And this is a part of how we keep our bodies safe and healthy and, and almost explain it like, you know, the dentist is there to, to help you have healthy teeth so that a child understands why they're coming in. But if your child is obviously really young, like you don't want to go into that much depth, you're going to obviously cater it for their, their developmental stage. Um, another nice thing to do is like, before you take your kids to the dentist, pull up their website and give them a little idea about who the dentists are. Usually there's pictures of the dentist and the team and the office and that's a nice way to introduce your child to the people that they're going to be seeing before they come in and, and what the office might look like that's a good idea i like that and then they can really sort of you know get their mind around what they're going to find out so it's not a complete unknown um yeah amazing thanks so much for calling in Zena. um so where can are you accepting new patients Absolutely. Yeah, we're we're always um, looking to meet new families, um, you know, whether you're on the North Shore or uh, don't live in the area. Like we've got lots of families who drive in to see us and we're always happy to meet you and your children. And um, you can visit our website, give us a call and and we're happy to chat with you about anything you might have questions about. Great. Do you want to share your, your website and your phone number? Sure. Um, website is lolosmiles.ca and our number is 604-770-0890 we're also on instagram lolosmiles.ca is our instagram handle perfect actually one last thing so as a as a, a dentist um how have you found using social media i've i found it really great and that's another great way to introduce your child or or for you yourself to like learn more about us is we post pictures of of kind of what we do around the office like on a day-to-day basis like you know some other kids who might be coming in and we're just trying to normalize it and and make it really um approachable and you know we're a friendly group and um it's nice to go onto our social media page before you come in because it's almost like you know, you know how it is. Like you read somebody's Instagram page and you feel like you know them before you meet them. And that's kind of what we've done with our our pages. We try and just give you a little sneak peek into what we're up to. Amazing. Um, Thank you so much, Gina. I hope you get to uh, enjoy some of the sunshine. It's it's gorgeous today. Yeah. You too, James. It was great talking to you. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Take care. Hello, James speaking. Oh, hello. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Who am I talking to? This is Miss Kuzner, and I would like to talk to you about some stuff that's going on with our e-learning. Yes. Let's get into it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> How do we start? Well, um, I was wondering what is concerning you about e-learning, because I am the e-learning expert. Oh, so much. Um well, let's start with, uh, do you have any sort of, 
Okay, so let me just think. So my daughter, um, she did some e-learning when uh, we first did the lockdown back in last March. Mm-hmm. Um, and she found it almost impossible. Yeah. Um, she couldn't stay there without a snack or being constantly sort of, um, you know, cuddled or whatever. Is that a common thing? Yeah, well, I guess to start off, how old is your daughter? What grade is she in, at least? Uh, she's in kindergarten. Yes. So I have noticed, um, as someone who was a elementary teacher, but now I'm a high school teacher, there is a large, there's a very big difference between elementary students doing e-learning and high school students e-learning. Um, so I've heard similar concerns that you were saying with the wiggling, right, and the yeah. inability to stay still. One thing that is kind of nice about the fact that you can be home learning as a young person is that you can wiggle without distracting your classmates, at least. So what I try to encourage parents to do is to get different types of seating that help your children move a little bit, because now you don't have to worry about them distracting their classmates. So you can have them on a yoga ball or you can have them on a stool. You can get these stools that have rounded bottoms that you can rock from side to side. Um, And as well as keeping a water bottle next to them to try to, you know, that could be a a little hand to mouth motion rather than snacking um, and trying to get rid of that snack association with online learning to give them a water bottle instead so they can stay hydrated. That's a good tip. That's actually something I've been doing since working from home because it's it's a comfort, isn't it, to to yes. keep sort of snacking and having something nice. But I've got a huge, like a, I think it's a gallon water bottle and I put a bunch of lemons and a couple of cucumber in it. Yeah, and, especially um, for adults, I find that we don't realize how dehydrated we get. As At least I'm a coffee drinker. So, same. <laughs> and yeah. then I need to drink a gallon of water because I just went through three cups of coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, that's that's it. And also the association with screen and food is not something that's terribly healthy. I know my daughter, like if the TV is on and she's sitting down, she wants a snack. Not because she's hungry, but because she's learnt that what it's like when you go to the cinema, uh, you get popcorn. Yes. And it's yeah. kind of a similar thing with TV and because yeah. TV is on a lot more. It's... What I what I tell my teenage students is that if you are in front of an instructor um to not eat Because, you know, when you do get back into the classroom or when you go off to post-secondary schooling, whether it be college or university, it is rude. There is a certain level of rudeness if you do eat in front of an instructor. But for independent learning, if you have healthy snacks, I find that sometimes that can help trigger the brain. You know, some apple slices get you a little bit of sugar Mm -hmm. so that you can concentrate a little bit more. Uh, but generally, yeah, if you're in front of a, a screen with an instructor giving a lesson to restrain from eating as much as possible, I think would be best. <laughs> what about for um, ongoing uh, distance learning? Like I, I just heard that Ontario have have um, continued the lockdown until at least June 2nd. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So for those kids who I can only imagine are feeling um isolated from their, their friends and their teachers and peers and things yeah um do you have any advice for for keeping them connected yeah so especially for elementary students because they don't have cell phones they're not texting their friends you know there's the less opportunity for interaction online because generally with younger um kids you want to supervise them to some extent with their online communications um i would recommend to parents to organize play dates like zoom 
play dates where you're, at least you're talking with friends. And if parents could share phone numbers with each other, um, with parent to parent, so that they could organize this and just create a little bit of a parent support group as well with your elementary kids, because they might start realizing that there are um, online burnout symptoms that they're recognizing, like frustration, irritability, um, whether it be, depending on the child, right, they can show their frustration in different ways. Does your child internalize the frustration and get anxious and shut down? Or does your child burst out into frustration and anger and show it that way? So I find that parents can create a great support system for one another in recognizing these signs. Because as a teacher, we, when I was in a classroom, we're trained to recognize that in the class, you know, frustration, burnout, all that. And we work um, with our students one-on-one all the time to help get them back on track. But when they're at home, the teacher can't monitor these frustrations the same way. Right. And what about that um, with, I mean, of course, kids and teenagers are on their phones or tablets and connected in mm. ways that we were never um, signed up to in when we were young. Yeah. Um, what about keeping them safe from, from sort of nefarious influences and, and online yeah. bullying, that kind of thing? One thing that I have noticed that, that has you know been created, I think, since the pandemic is the Facebook Kids Messenger, which is set up by the parent through the parent's contacts and the parent connects their child's Facebook Messenger to specific individuals, whether it be cousins or aunts and uncles mm-hmm. or other friends that they have accepted on Facebook if their parents are friends on Facebook. And I think it's a great way to monitor because parents can monitor the messenger if they want, or they can, there's also like more opportunity to express themselves in a digital world with these kids. We, we do want them to learn how to speak appropriately online with, um, depending on who you're speaking to. For instance, when I was trying to teach my kids how to type emails, I was trying to teach them to be formal and use formal language when you're writing an email, for instance, versus when you're talking to your cousins online, you can use slang and different forms of whatever technical jargon you want to use. So in a way, it is good to encourage kids to communicate in different ways online. But like you said, you want to monitor it to make sure that it's safe. Um, But these are skills that they're going to carry on later on in life because they're going to be doing a lot of online stuff for the rest of their lives. I don't think it's going to be going away anytime soon. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, What about for the the older kids who don't necessarily want um, or provide the option to their parents to keep an eye on their um, devices? Yeah. For high school students, it's a lot trickier. It depends on what that relationship is between the parent and the child. Parents know their children. They know every little trick in the book, usually of what's been tried. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I always find of it as a as a sign of intelligence. Sometimes when teenagers try to fool their parents in some way, um, usually it doesn't fly. Parents are usually on to it pretty quick. But what I would suggest is that you give them freedoms and you encourage them to be honest. If the honesty isn't there, then you discuss with your child what the consequences are. So for instance, whether that be taking away their data and that way they have to use Wi-Fi to communicate. Because generally a lot of the messengers that teenagers communicate on, like whether whether it be Snapchat, Facebook Messenger, um, anything like that, WhatsApp, uh, they do it with data or Wi-Fi. So if you can control the data and the Wi-Fi, you control their ability to talk to one another. 
And that's the best thing that I can offer to parents is that don't be afraid to unplug the router and take it to bed with you if you find that they're abusing the internet. Or don't be afraid to cut their data plan um, and force them to use Wi-Fi to communicate, which means that they have to be home in order to communicate with their friends. Yeah, I think, yeah, those, those are really good ideas. Um, I remember writing a, a, a sort of lesson plan a long time ago <clears throat> excuse me, about the dangers of social media. And, and um, it was aimed at uh, parents whose kids are getting their first phones and mm-hmm. sort of connecting with each other. And um, I think it's important to, to start with the conversation saying, there are going to be people online, um, whether they're friends of yours or friends of friends or just people, strangers who mm-hmm. don't necessarily have the best intentions, even though they may say they do. Yeah. Um, and they're going to ask you to do some things that um, they're not okay. And here's a here's a, a list of things that they might ask you to do. And if they do, you it's really important that we have an open talk about it. You're never in trouble for telling me these things um as long as you're completely honest with me you're never going to be in trouble um and just to sort of just to open the the line of communication just so they know okay someone's asked me to do something i'm a bit embarrassed about it like it's a bit of a sort of birds and bees Mm -hmm. kind of conversation but excuse me it's um it's it's super important and and now that it the sort of line of um the sort of the back and forth it's not it's no longer person to person it's the device that's in their hand inches away from their face yeah. is now telling them to do something that's risky or it they don't know that it it could be something that um affects their whole future yeah it's all about critical thinking um one thing that i can say to parents to ease their mind a little bit is that these children have been raised with social media And that critical thinking has started to be instilled much earlier than it was when we were growing up. So for instance, I find that my senior um, mother or senior adult friends have difficulty recognizing the warning signs of scams, especially financial scams, you know, give us this banking information or whichever. But children, because they were raised with technology, they pick it up a lot faster. They can usually call the BS a lot quicker, Mm -hmm. which um, makes, makes me feel better in terms of, are they thinking, are they using their critical thinking skills? Same thing with TV, right? Things that are being advertised to them. Can they use their critical thinking skills and determine whether or not that's a trustworthy advice or not. Um, that being said, the whole idea of catfishing online has become this whole new social thing, this whole new sphere. Um, I don't know if you've seen the show on Netflix. That's I have. The it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 great... I got addicted to the show and I went to bed yes, like two yes, in the morning the other day. <laughs> don't give me any spoilers, but it's, yeah. the, it's that example of you can be whoever you want to be online. And one thing that I used to teach my students is, that rather than withholding the information from online, you yeah. should think of your online self as a digital identity. And don't lie, you don't have to be a catfish, but in the mm-hmm. sense that it's like a resume, you know? And and one thing that I would do with the students that I would individually tutor when I had my little private tutoring business was that I would say, Google me, Google Alicia Kuzner and see what pops up. And yeah. can you find dirt on me? No, you can't, because I have created my own digital identity that shows my achievements and my best self, my accomplishments. And that's what's supposed to be online is it's a resume. It's how people 
background check you, right? Yeah, completely agree. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I was sort of lead with the, like, don't put anything on the internet that you wouldn't want your mum to see. Exactly. Or your and, boss to see, really. Or your like, boss. I think my like, I, worse. You know, I don't put on that many personal pictures of myself, even on my own social media, because I want, you know, now because I'm a high school teacher, I have a lot of students that have graduated and are now adults and becoming teachers themselves. And they're reaching out to me for advice. Mm-hmm. And so they may add me on social media when they're 25, 26, 27, getting these teaching jobs and wanting to ask me for advice or mentorship. Um, and I don't want them to find university pictures of me, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or pictures of me in bikinis and, you know, that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just about keeping yourself aware that you are developing your own identity online and to keep that as authentic as possible, but also filtered, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a fine... Well, I, I, it's funny, actually. I was looking at a subreddit today called Instagram Reality, and it's um, it's how people have, have become sort of normalized to people using filters and slimming mm-hmm. um, things and, and things that make your face more pointy or less pointy yeah. or, or whatever. It smooths out the skin. And it's, it's awful. And I worry that um my daughter or or anyone else is going to be looking at people on instagram with Mm -hmm. these face smoothing things and worry that she has normal face texture so you say this but i also have noticed a shift especially in women like in female artists a shift towards no makeup kind of like a counter makeup culture yeah a perfect example is alicia keys who doesn't wear any makeup when she performs. Another is Lizzo has started to go completely makeupless and showing off the spots on her face uh-huh. and trying to embrace this natural beauty look. Um, but that being said, there it like you said, the, it does create with the filters creates a sense of um, insecurity for people who are like, is that what perfection looks like? Is that what I'm aiming for? And it's, it's not, it's fake. It's impossible. I mean, even people who do like, um, you know, like daily check-ins on Instagram stories and they're using some kind of like grainy filter or vintage things. And it's like, can we just look at your face when you're talking to me? I don't want to look at it like you're in the twenties or, or it's, it's distracting from, from looking at you because more often than not, I know the person Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to see your face, like uh, you know, stop hiding and and show. Yeah. Like I don't care that you've got flaws and yeah. And I think that's something that we need to get over as as <clears throat> people and generations is that like incredibly. And it, this is a, a huge insecurity for myself is that people don't care what you look like yeah. most of the time. Yeah. And if they do, well, nuts to them. You don't need them, but um, like you know if you're feeling it like a fat day or or you're feeling sort of ugly or your hair's a mess and i'm just describing myself now but um i know it, but i'm, I'm uh, thinking about my at home <clears throat> working life <laughs> yeah right yeah and it's like no one cares yeah like, they they they're busy enough they don't have the slightest bit of interest in what you look like yeah yeah exactly and we should embrace that and uh yeah and also i think as a general public be mindful of our comments rather than saying you look tired today or are you feeling okay they could just be oh, not that. wearing makeup yeah. which is really what happens to me you look I awful yeah so I much. Very, i feel uh, great now <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have very like slim eyes very um like kind of uh 
slit, like slit type eyes, almond eyes, as I would call it. And generally when I don't wear makeup, a lot of people ask me if I was crying or oh. if, um, if I'm tired and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I just look my like face. I have very Thanks small eyes because <laughs> I'm not wearing mascara. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, it's funny. Like sometimes I get like, oh, you should smile more. Yeah, like, it's well, like, no, I don't want to smile more. <laughs> thanks. I've got yeah. other stuff going on right now. And I don't, my daughter's just been playing up. So. Yeah, seriously. My daughter just threw a cell phone at me. So. <laughs> yeah, at my face and it really hurts. So. Yeah, like a brick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so back to um, screen time and things. So, so aside from distance learning and um, the need to communicate with each other, Mm-hmm. like how do you coordinate downtime um for for the people who spend a, a growing amount of time on screens or on their phone on camera yeah. or whatever one thing that i always advise my students is don't forget to take breaks i find that often with online learning it can feel like we're not accomplishing as much as we did before when we were in a classroom and, you know, a bell would ring, we'd be like, okay, class done, we're moving on to the next thing. And there'd be a sense of, I'm done this, I'm moving on to something new. And with online learning, sometimes it just streams into the next thing, into the next thing, into the next thing. And then by the end, we realize that the day is over and we can't process what what we've accomplished that day. So keeping in check a schedule so that you can schedule in those downtimes, whether it be if you have a dog, walk the dog, you know, mm-hmm. or go outside for a little bit of a break and come back in. You can use this power of flexibility to your advantage, but I do believe that a schedule is important to keep us on track. So not even really to stay on track with work, but just to stay on track with our regular lives, you know, and um, whether it be getting out with a parent for a walk or to go to a park if they're open (laughs) or if it's to schedule a time with a friend in the neighborhood, uh, whatever is available to you at that time to do it um, within a scheduled period so that you feel like you have, you've accomplished something. Now you're going to do something fun and then you're going to go back to work. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be an increase in sort of social anxiety when things do start to open up? Um, and people go back to school or back to the office or whatever, and they, they've kind of, they're nervous about going back into a room and with other mm-hmm. people. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there will be a huge, I think we'll notice it right away. One thing to remember is that even before COVID started, we were incre- increasing class sizes in Ontario to up to like 36 students in, per class. And as a classroom teacher, I was a classroom teacher for five years before switching to online. The hardest thing for me was to see my incredibly anxious students. And I was a high school teacher, so I saw it in my teenagers. Um, And it was hard to get them in class. They would feel sick to their stomachs. They wouldn't want to come in, whether it be um, due to social anxiety, work anxiety, whatever was going on in their lives. There's so much going on in teenagers' lives. You're going through so many hormone changes. Yeah. There's peer pressure, fashion pressure, act like if there's so many different elements coming at you that that is one thing that I actually liked about when we switched to online is that all of my anxious students were now participating and getting their work done. And in the classroom, I found that I was losing students due to anxiety because the classes were too large 
and they were getting swallowed up. I didn't understand what exactly was going on in their lives because they wouldn't share it with me because maybe it was something personal between them and another student in school or them and a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever relationship was going on. So I can definitely see that this switch, when we go back to in the classroom, well, the anxiety will definitely come back, the classroom anxiety. Um, just from that pressure and competition with peers, style, personality. That being said, some students feel disconnected and miss the group setting and their teachers. And so yeah. for them, it will work and they really want to go back to the classroom. And it depends on the individual, which is why I like the idea of a hybrid classroom situation where you can do some of your classes on, like online and some of your classes in school. And that's really what the high school model is starting to push towards. It's what we're seeing at least is that they're going to roll out some classes that are online and some classes that are in school. And that way you get a little bit of a balance between the two. So do you think, um, do you, do you have any advice for the, for the kids or the parents of the kids who are facing these um, anxious moments before they, they have to return? Yeah, I would absolutely consider speaking to a counselor. There's actually a lot of free programs that Ontario is offering right now. Um, if you look at the, it's called um, Cognitive Behavior Therapy. If you type in Cognitive Behavior Therapy Ontario, there are free programs available um, with counselors, registered counselors, to talk about what are some anxiety behaviors that pop up and what triggers them? Often with anxiety, you can't put your finger on it. A lot of students wake up anxious and they can't say exactly what is making them anxious. Um, or they'll get the body response of anxiety and depression, which could be nausea, um, symptoms of flu and cold, that sort of thing. And they can't put their finger on exactly what is causing it. And so talking to a cognitive behavior therapist about what are the behaviors that you're noticing that make you upset and where are they coming from? Why are they being triggered? And then that way you can work through it. But it all comes down to communication and being open about it with your parents, your counselors and your um, other teachers, because they are the ones that are going to help you. Do you think, um, yeah, that, that's really good advice, actually. I was just thinking about um my own um addiction to having a device on me at all times mm -hmm. and like even the phantom buzz yeah like if it's in your pocket you think oh someone just messaged me and no one did yeah no one never does <laughs> um <laughs> but uh like do you think i don't know so do you think there's going to be um an issue of um device separation anxiety from um when people go back into the classroom or, ba or back to the office <laughs> yeah so I already see that with my students like even before COVID what I ended up doing so I just decided to not fight it because I was causing so much anxiety by taking cell phones away from students that it wasn't worth it because they would break down and I'm like listen I don't want to fight you I don't want to make this this whole experience miserable for you um I am going to create a quote-unquote cell phone spa. And so with the cell phone spa, I got a shoe holder, like one of those back-of-the-door shoe cubbies that has the plastic little inserts oh, yeah. for your shoes. Uh -huh. And I went out and I bought a variety of chargers from the drugstore uh -huh. um, and like uh, drug and, uh, and uh, gas stations. And I threaded through each, like each hole had its own charger. And then that way 
students could put their phones and charge them in the phone charger spa. And it was, you know, behind me, so it was safe, but they could keep their eye on the phone. I noticed that if they could see their phone, they felt comfortable um, because they would often use the excuse of, well, I'm waiting for a text from my mom or my grandmother's going to call me about something. And I'm like, well, don't they know that you're in class? And they're like, oh, no, but they're just going to text me and I just have to quickly respond. And I'm like, no, no. So (laughs) if the phone does go off, I can let them know, okay, Johnny, you just got a text from your mom or no, no one has texted you yet. Don't worry. Keep going. You know, I'll be, the, I'll be the one to inform you if you get a text message or not and whether or not it's important. Um, and that seemed to help a lot because in public school, you can't, teachers don't have the power to take away phones, but we can offer a nice, beautiful spa for the phones to be yeah. kept in a safe place that's not on the person and doesn't cause any stress. That's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's that's the kind of mentality that we have to have with the whole development to new tech and apps and everything. Mm-hmm. Like if they're downloading TikTok or Snapchat or whatever the next thing is, um, even like Clubhouse and Twitter's got its own is yeah. it Twitter rooms now, something like that. Um, we can have vocal conversations. I think um it's kind of on us as parents to or teachers to um, figure out the new, the latest, whatever's heart and their kids are on um, so that we know what, so we know what the dangers are, but the advantages as well and how perhaps we can, we can use them. Like I've been on playing on TikTok and stuff, which I dismissed for for years Mm -hmm. thinking it's going to be awful. And it was another vine. And now it's, it's so, like intuitive but to a sort of a worrying degree like I'll, I'll go on and try and find the analytics for my work one mm-hmm. for when I do my Monday morning spreadsheets and I can't help but like the second you turn it on it's something really interesting yes their algorithm is so good at predicting what is interesting I'm on TikTok as well it's very yeah and it's the short videos too that keep you very much attentive to those videos yeah but Um, you could sort of suggest ones that perhaps your kids or students might like like hank green um who's got an incredible history of inventing things and mm -hmm. um being being genuinely sort of seems like a good guy and is very clever but but there are a lot of channels where they're educational and they teach you about money health and um skin issues and all that kind of stuff and there's there's something for everyone there's an awful lot of just nonsense and weirdos yes the internet but um there's there's a ton of really good resources so perhaps it might be worth even like saying that if you're going to be on this network here's a bunch of people that i think you should really follow not only are they interesting but you might learn something yes um and then we perhaps we can discuss it and you can share your favorite one in class or you know something like that so many new learning platforms it's it's and it keeps them engaged as well yeah like, i've even seen teachers using it as well for like their own classroom like quick labs you know like for oh, really? i have a, i follow a science teacher that does these really interesting short little labs that just you know highlight the point very quickly mm-hmm. um which is great yeah i found out i keep finding out about um books and stuff and yeah. there's people who like work in bookshops and they give their five but I do keep the, the notifications off. My big thing is like, yeah. I even turn off my notifications on my email on weekends so I don't get 
tempted mm-hmm. to look at it. As a teacher, I'm constantly following my students and marking and updating. But I realized that every time I got a notification, I was opening my phone. It didn't matter where I was. I could be at a wedding, at a funeral, at a, you know, yeah. like <laughs> wherever I was. If I saw a notification, I was like autopilot to open that app. And so I just turned off all the notifications and I found that that really helped. And yeah. then just turn on the notifications on your email whenever it's during work time and you don't want to miss something, let's say. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're there to be useful, but they're so jarring. Like, I, I, was, I think like I'll be on my deathbed and I'll just check into Slack just to see if there's anything that my boss needs. I'm, I think soon we're going to start burying people with their cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. <laughs> like a little time capsule. And then when you like, <laughs> if, they, if like the, the people of the future uncover our bodies, they'll be like, ooh, a device. <laughs> <laughs> let's go through his DMs. No, don't. Yeah. Who has a charger? <laughs> Yeah. Um, Well, this has been um, incredibly insightful and useful. Thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, I'm glad I got to speak to you. I was worried you weren't going to pick up. (laughs) I'm always here. Okay. Um, Sadly, I don't leave. Um, Is is there any like things you want to plug or? Um, I would just say when it comes to online learning and looking at platforms and trying to figure out what works best for your child. Um, to look at different schools. Like for instance, my the school that I work for is called Ontario Virtual School. And we have an online learning platform that might work for your child, you know, and you can go on our website and you can look at demo lessons and have your child check it out and see if that works for them. Also certain subjects, like sometimes, you know, you might want to push your kid back into the public school classroom model, but maybe if they're struggling in a particular subject, whether it be math, science, English, Maybe you want to take that online. So if, you ha- if you're having a bad experience with online learning now, it may just be because we're going through so many growing pains and our poor public school teachers were forced to just, you know, jump into this online model with no guidance and no real support from the ministry. <laughs> um, it was just kind of figure it out, you know, throw into the fire. But as we grow, I can definitely see some great opportunities for people to learn and get a better learning experience than what we had pre-pandemic. Perfect. Um, Well, Alicia, thank you so much. Great. Well, I hope you have a good day. You too. Okay. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. I feel like I've learned a lot today. Um, If you want to be a guest on the Social Dad podcast, you can email me at James at socialdad.ca or you can find me on twitter and instagram at james rcs i would love it if you followed me but also get in touch because that's the whole point of social media um thanks again for listening uh, i truly appreciate it and i would love it if you could leave a review or subscribe or share or say hi or you know i don't know do something cool um thanks again and i will talk to you soon Thank you.